is a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. Good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thanks so very much for tuning into my show. Welcome and welcome to tonight's First Five. Well, I want to tell you about three things that happened in Washington, D.C. over the last four days and what they signify about what the American left is up to. First, you may have heard that our Homeland Security, our Homeland Security Secretary, uh, Kirsten Nielsen, was in a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant in Washington this week, and a loud band, a mob, entered the restaurant and began chanting and yelling at her as she's trying to dine at a is a Mexican restaurant, chanting, Kirsten Nielsen, you're a villain locking up immigrant children. This mob had protest signs, like printed signs, like mob, you know, people do when they're in, in marches. Protest signs yell about her, personally about her, and yelling about uh, her the um, border security issue, the, the southern border issue with children. One of the people involved in this mob attack on her is named Allison Raber, H-R-A-B-A-R. She actually works for Donald Trump. This woman works in the Department of Justice as a paralegal. She also happens to be a board member of the Washington, D.C. chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. So they disrupted her dinner. She finally was forced, the HHS secretary was forced to leave the restaurant because this mob would not shut up and stop chanting and yelling uh, at her. And so she left. Also, same person, this Homeland Security Secretary, Kirsten Nielsen, very early Friday morning, or what you might think of as still nighttime, her home was approached. She lives in a townhome. The mob, I don't know if it's all the same people, mob outside of her house, screaming and yelling, chanting, putting on, they had a loudspeaker where they were putting, playing through the loudspeaker, the voices of babies crying, simulating this alleged problem at the border, which we're going to talk about in the next segment. And chanting then, no justice, no sleep. So they awaken the neighborhood. She walked out to her car. They're yelling Nazi at her as she's walking to her car. So this is the first mob thing I want to report happened in Washington, D.C. No arrests so far. Number two was our the uh, White House press secretary, Sarah Sanders, was dining with her family in a restaurant Friday night in a Washington, D.C. area restaurant named The Red Hen. It's actually in northern Virginia. And she and her family had been seated. The waiter had had about two minutes to bring get started, get them started. And the owner of the restaurant, Stephanie Wilkinson, walked over to Sarah Sanders' table and told her she had to leave because she, this restaurant owner, doesn't like President Trump. So Sarah Sanders, classy act, as always, got up and left the restaurant with her family. This was because this restaurant owner, Stephanie Wilkinson, said she didn't like President Trump. And she said to the media later that she would do the same thing again, completely unapologetic. Back to this, you know, Democrat, admitted Democrat socialist who works for Trump in the Department of Justice. Not that he hired her. She's been there for a while. But she said in media, her media interview reported by the Washington Examiner that she, this young, this woman named Allison Raber, 
is encouraging other Americans to do the same thing, to do the same thing, to also, if you happen to see Kirsten Nielsen in public, harass her, scream at her, yell at her, demand things. And I got to tell you, folks, I want to hit several points about this story. I'm going to get into the substance of the border policy in the next segment. What I want to hit with you right now, though, the three big points I want to make very clear to you. Number one, the left is out of their mind in this country. They have stirred up this border child issue because they have, they, they've been out of their minds since the time President Trump won the election. Their, their planned vision for driving this country over the collectivist cliff was interrupted by President Trump's victory. And so they've tried to take him down due to the, uh, w- with his claim about Russian collusion, which has completely backfired. No evidence of Trump colluding with the Russians, but now the investigation is revealing you got Obama and Hillary colluding with the FBI and Department of Justice to harass a political opponent. So then the lefties who hate President Trump and hated the idea they couldn't have President Clinton went with the Access Hollywood tape. On and on and on about the Access Hollywood tape and Trump is a bad guy and how can any woman vote for him, blah, blah, blah. That got shut down because too many people in the country said, wait a minute, aren't you the same party of Bill Clinton? Bill Clinton of escapades into the uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein's orgy island 17 times, and you're trying to talk to us about morality? And the people, I will say, who voted for President Trump, they didn't vote for him because they like things like the Access Hollywood tape. They voted for President Trump because they like his agenda to bring back strength to America, a secure border, a strong national defense, reasserting our place in the world and trade and all sorts of other important things. So third thing they tried was the Stormy Daniels episode. Also backfired because there was nothing to it, proven so far, no proof, and secondly, because Again, American people said, wait a minute, aren't you the Bill Clinton, Jeffrey Epstein, Orgy Island party? We don't really think you get to weigh in on morality. But where we really are on this border children issue, folks, is a massive attempt by the left-wing media to engage in perpetual outrage. This is an attempt to get the American public to be perpetually outraged against President Trump to find something to bring him down. And when I finish telling you in the next segment what the sequential facts are, you realize this is fake outrage unjustified, and you need to be able to defend it to your friends and neighbors so we all can move past this toward getting to actually responsible border policy. Debbie George Addis, America Can We Talk, come right back. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenses expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? 
The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with Five Talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. The right to freedom of speech. To be who you are and to speak your mind is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Can you hear us now? Can you hear and welcome back to America Can We Talk? And this has been a week of great turmoil. And I do have um, friends who are less politically attuned, and so they don't pay attention to politics as much as maybe you do, or certainly I do. And they just hear a news headline that says, you know, President Trump is for, is forcefully separating forcefully separating children from their parents at the border for no reason or just because they cross the border illegally. And there's just a just a mountain of ignorance out there. And the problem with this kind of ignorance, this kind of issue is that this is as the left will always do if they can find a way to use children as the storyline, as the hook, they think they can manipulate and they do succeed in manipulating uninformed people. And that's why it's so very important to understand exactly what has happened here. 
So first, you know, many of the images you've all been seeing in the media with children in cages and the outreach, just, you know, this, of course, upsetting. No one, I mean, look at this, you think, how could we be doing this? Those images are from 2014 when President Trump wasn't president. So the images are a part of the lie. And they're also evidence of the willingness of the media to lie about this issue to you, to manipulate the American public. This, when I use the expression, the perpetual outrage policy, I mean policy. It is the policy of the American left to keep Americans perpetually outraged about something so they won't think. So they'll just act in accordance with what they think uh, they're, they're supposed to do. They're like, like sheep waiting to be manipulated, or that's how the left sees them. So what has happened here is, the detention centers were actually reopened by President Obama due to the large number of people coming over the border during his presidency. And at, at that time, <clears throat> many people in, the, uh, in South America and Central America heard about the DACA policy. And they had the idea, oh, America's going to let everyone who gets in in time, they're going to let them become citizens. So you have people flooding over the border because they thought this DACA thing, which President you know, Obama had absolutely no legal authority to do, but they thought it was going to mean that they could come here and have a path to citizenship. Number three, the border is, you know, porously in, uh, not secure. And so recently, President Trump announced through Attorney General Jeff Sessions that they're going to have a zero tolerance policy for people who cross the border illegally. Zero tolerance means if you come, if you swim across the river, you sneak and you don't go to an organized, an actual entry point, then you're going to get arrested. I want to play a clip. There was an interview by Brooke Baldwin, who I cannot believe still has a job at CNN. Okay, I digress. I won't get off on her. But with a border security agent, um, and I'm hoping Greg has that clip ready. I don't know the number. Okay, you have it, Greg? Making light of a bad situation. Why should you ever make light of these children being ripped from their parents, period. Well, you know, you know, look at it this way. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I, I don't think everybody understands what's actually happening down here. You know, you have a lot of these kids that, that are coming here and put through, through terrible, terrible situations by their parents. They are, they are brought over in extremely dangerous conditions and an extremely dangerous terrain. And all this can be avoided if they just go through the port of entry. There would be no crime. Uh, committed by them and they wouldn't get separated. Why they don't do this is beyond me. Um, but this problem is very easily solved, at least uh, on the short-term basis, by going through the port of entry. If they choose to go through the river, they're committing a crime just like anyone else. They're subject to arrest. And we all know when you get arrested, you don't get to stay with your family. It's just, it's just the sad reality of life. Okay, I can't tell you how good this interview was, folks. If I, I'm going to put this clip up. In fact, I think it's actually up at my website, americacanwetalk.org, because you should listen to the whole interview. The guy, I mean, Brooke Baldwin is just trying to get this guy to say that, you know, President Trump came along and for no reason all of a sudden started ripping children from the parents' arms. Let me just explain this sequence of events that has occurred. Uh, number one, there is it was a, a piece of litigation that resulted in a settlement, the Flores, F-L-O-R-E-S, Flores Settlement in 1997, entered by the Clinton administration, the Flores Settlement Agreement, which basically said they would agree that federal policy, federal government policy would be that if there were unaccompanied minors, um, they would release unaccompanied minors from custody, from custody 
to their parents, relatives, or other caretakers no more than 20 days So after they've been in custody. So unaccompanied minors, kids have to be released within 20 days. The Ninth Circuit then, later in 2016, expanded that to be include children brought to the country illegally by their parents. So now, if you're here as a child um, illegally, whether you wandered in by yourself or you're with your parents, the federal government can't keep you in custody more than 20 days. Separate from that, in 2008, the Democrat-controlled Congress approved bipartisan legislation to combat human trafficking. Bush, the Republican, President W. Bush, signed it. And part of that law, the William Wilberforce Trafficking Victims Protection Act, requires that these minors enter the United States, uh, who enter the United States illegally, have no right, you know, no legal status, they must be transferred to the custody of the Department of Health and Human Services, a refugee resettlement, not to Homeland Security. So what has happened is you have kids coming over, you have a, a settlement that says they can't stay in, in, in uh, detention more than 20 days, uh, and they have to be put in the custody of the Department of Health and Human Services instead of Homeland Security. What has changed is that in this last week, President Trump has said zero tolerance for people crossing the border uh, illegally. He's not talking about people who come through the port of entry, a port of entry, and say, I'd like to apply for asylum. That's a different piece of this. But people who just wander in across the border, come across the river, the status for them is zero tolerance. Well, once they're, So they're charged with a crime of illegal entry. Once that happens, they have to decide what to do with these children that they have brought along with them. And uh, if you're smug- and the other problem is that people come across the border smuggling children. They aren't really the parents of the children they say they are the parents of. So the- and there is a federal law requiring the federal government to figure out, is this really your child or are you a smuggler, a trafficker? So it takes more than 20 days to adjudicate an, an, acclaim- an asylum request. So people who come across the border and they, have, they just want to sneak in, they get caught, they get arrested. It's a one-day adjudication. They get sent back home with their kids. Sorry, can't stay. People seeking asylum, it takes longer than 20 days to, to, analyze, to, for, to process an asylum claim. Which leads me to something I want to just, if you leave, if this is getting too complex for you, I want to leave you with one simple, important thing to remember. Senator Ted Cruz, United States Senator from the great state of Texas, proposed a law because this mess that we're all watching happening at the border. He proposed a law, Protect Kids and Parents Act. It basically said it mandates that illegal immigrant families must be kept together except for exceptions when they're worried the child's being smuggled or abused. Um, and then it also, so it's keep families together, provides for expedited processing, review of all cases of individuals who cross the border illegally with children. So within 14 days, those who meet the legal standard for asylum can stay, and those who don't can be sent home. So the family's being held together. Third, doubles the number of federal immigration judges to, to cover the cost, the timeliness, the time it takes to have an expedited process to meet the needs of these families. So they're keeping the fa- Ted Cruz's deal, keep the families together. Expedited process, so we get 14 days. So you're not going to hit the 20 days when the, by the Flores settlement they have to release these kids. 
have an expedited hearing so they get a decision on asylum, and then doubles the number of immigration judges to cover this, and then authorizes the construction of new family shelters to help these people who cross the border stay together while the asylum request is being processed. Meets the entire situation. This is unrelated, by the way, to immigration reform we're going to talk about later, but this is just this crisis at the border, this proposal, and this was a complete answer. Ted Cruz came up with it and immediately shot down to smithereens by the Democrats would not go along with this. Ask yourself why. If they're really upset, if they're really upset about these kids at the border and being separated while asylum, asylum is being assessed, and we, we've talked about the standards for asylum in this show. I'll probably mention it again after the break, but Schumer rejected the proposal entirely. He said, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're not doing that. No way, no way. Okay, so they won't even go along with it. And he's saying legislation takes too long. Well, legislation takes too long unless the parties agree, in which case it could be done in one day. And Schumer knows this, and everyone knows this in Washington, but it wasn't okay with them because the Democrats want this issue to remain in the headlines. They don't want it solved. They want it in the headlines. They want to agitate the morons who are hassling uh, Sarah Sanders and uh, Kirsten Nielsen in Washington, D.C. They want it to agitate ignorant people. That's what the Democrats want. We're going to talk more about this because then the Democrats slapped together a bill in the Senate. All of the Democrat senators signed on to it, which was so poorly written that it would solve nothing at the border and endanger the ability of federal agents to arrest real illegal immigrants with real serious crimes if they happen to have an, uh, a child uh, living in the home. I mean, a silly piece of legislation. The point I want you to take away is that the Democrats aren't trying to solve this. They want, they're trying to keep America in a state of perpetual outrage, but we're smarter so they don't get to do that. Come back after the break. I got to talk to you about the UN. Be right back. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. 
and it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to American Can We Talk. I want to finish one more point on that, um, our last segment. We were talking about asylum. Maybe a couple other quick points. So what's happening at the southern border, you know, we have one issue, this immigration policy, and we've been over that a bunch of times in the show. This past week, the Goodlatte bill failed, which I kind of liked. Uh, you know, they're looking at some bills next week. But, you know, this is immigration policy needs to be changed. And it's part of the problem that they are dealing with at the border is that we don't have our, our immigration policy needs work. But the the immediate issue at the border, the border security issue with women, mainly women and some men coming through the border with small children, um, it is an accurate depiction that there are cases like this at the border. No one's saying that's not happening. What is so egregious is the way this issue is being manipulated by the Democrat media mob in this country that is on a relentless effort to attack and destroy President Trump. And it's not really personally that they dislike Trump so much, although they do. What they're really outraged about is that they're they're uh, leftist, massive, taking control of this country, uh, which occurred eight years under Obama and, frankly, many years before that. But it was on it was on on a roll on steroids, uh, really got interrupted by President Trump's victory. But I want to hear something else about this amnesty thing or this uh, asylum thing at the border. Asylum. 
because I, I had a good friend who was saying on, basically on Facebook, if these women traveled all this distance, they're from Honduras, they've got a young child, they're claiming that they're, they're you know, um, impoverished, that they have, there's violence in their neighborhoods. They made this trip, just let them in. What is the reason? They, well, they're going to get asylum anyway. Let me just say, they're not going to get asylum. And if you think they should, then the answer for the left, the American left, if they think that we should grant asylum based on poverty of the from the home country, then the answer is for the people who advocate that position to go to Congress and urge their members of Congress to change the asylum law. Because asylum in America is available to people who get inside our border if they have, they have to establish they have a credible fear of persecution in their country that they must prove they're being persecuted on one of five possible protected grounds, race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or particular social group. Not because I'm poor, not because, uh, you know, there is a whole host of things that may make your life miserable, but these are not bases for being admitted to America uh, under our asylum laws. And the third requirement is this the person making application for asylum must show that the government is either involved in the persecution that they're claiming based on race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or particular social group, or, or that the government's unable to control the conduct of private actors. The bottom line being most women who cross from some Central American country all the way through Mexico to, and show up in America have no basis to claim asylum under our present law. You may think that is not right. I mean, and, and people may, and they say, well, may say, well, let's, you know, expand the asylum law then. Let's change the asylum law. Let's make poverty a basis. I don't think that would fly in Congress. I don't think it would fly with the American people because the problem is the world is filled with people who are impoverished. We can't, asylum was about the idea you're being persecuted, like you live in a country where a, a majority religion is, is persecuting the minority religion, and you're afraid you'll be killed because of your religion, or because you, you are advocate for freedom and you're repressed by communists. I mean, it's not just because they're bad conditions. And I think asylum law got developed over the decades and centuries because people realized that you have to have some standards, I and mean, we have... Regular immigration laws in America, people we take in about a million people, you're under immigration. We have refugee policy where we decide ahead of time based on the same standards that you may be entitled to come here as a refugee. And we have asylum. The point is we have to have a rule of law. We have to have a law that applies to everyone. And what the sympathy, the people sympathetic with the people at the border are basically saying is just let them in. They're poor. We have a lot of money. We don't really care what the asylum law says. We don't really care what if there is an asylum law. Just let them in. And this, my friends, is not healthy for America. Or at least it requires and, and must it must entail a debate in Congress where all of the considerations are weighed and the American people can watch the asylum law be changed. Part of what happened under the Obama era, the difference between the zero tolerance policy that President Trump has embraced versus what President Obama did is that President Obama used a catch and release. People come in, they're going to seek asylum. He said, gotcha, got your name, got your number. We know who you are. Okay, here's your hearing date. And you and I both know that virtually no one ever showed up. Once they they are let loose within the confines of America, they're not going to come for their hearing 
especially when they've been told you're not going to get asylum. They just disappear. And so the idea of actually maintaining or retaining, regaining control and security of our borders requires that we prosecute people who try to enter illegally and that we apply the same set of laws to everyone. This is called having a country. And it's, it, this is, you know, this, this discussion this week has been so outrageous because of the uh, just absurdity of many people in the American left trying to characterize, oh, President Trump doesn't care. He's the meanest person ever. I mean, just juvenile level analysis and grown up conversation is needed about it. Okay, enough of that. Now, I also wanted to tell you, you I mentioned last week on the show that it seemed likely that America was going to withdraw uh, its membership in the uh, Human Rights Council of the United Nations. We indeed did, did, I can't speak English, indeed did do that this week. Nikki Haley withdrew America's membership in the Human Rights Council. And uh, she did a really, she had a really great clip. I think Greg might have it here. Uh, I want to play this clip of her. Uh, this is Nikki Haley's announcement that we're not going to play this game anymore with the, with the Human Rights Council. For too long, the Human Rights Council has been a protector of human rights abusers and a cesspool of political bias. Regrettably, it is now clear that our call for reform was not heeded. Human rights abusers continue to serve on and be elected to the Council. The world's most inhumane regimes continue to escape scrutiny. And the Council continues politicizing and scapegoating of countries with positive human rights records in an attempt to distract from the abusers in their ranks. Therefore, as we said we would do a year ago, if we did not see any progress, the United States is officially withdrawing from the U.N. Human Rights Council. Okay, this Nikki Haley, who honestly I've started to think, I I could see her as president in 2024. I think, can you imagine the first woman president, Nikki Haley? I could like that. But she's been stellar at the U.N. as our ambassador to the U.N., and she's really, she's taking the Trump kind of energy that says, you know, we're not just going to play along and pretend it's okay that countries like Venezuela that's shooting protesters in the streets, protesters who are starving to death because of socialism, and they're shooting them in the streets, and that country gets to be on the Human Rights Council. I mean, just the absurdity, it's, it's crazy. So I think they made the right call. But I also want to share with you, you might have noticed or read this week that the United Nations, they, they do a periodic review. They have a rotating schedule of all their members, and they do a little assessment on poverty in your country. And so it's the turn for the United States of America to have our poverty review um, from the U.N. And um, we got, you know, they this is... Uh, there, there's so much to this story, and I really want to make sure I, I make it clear to you how absurd it was. So we, we got a bad grade. The U.N. Poverty Report blasted President Trump and the United States for, quote, hatred for the poor, hatred for the poor, um, and, and just absurd uh, characterization of America, the wealthiest nation on earth, where the poorest among us, except for truly, you know, homeless people in the street, but the vast majority of people falling into this poverty category, you know, have food, shelter, televisions, cell phones, cars. I mean, the the relative scale of poverty in America is absurd. But what was really absurd was, and the reason I wanted to spend some time on it tonight is that the UN, and this was, by the way, a brilliant article. This is up on our Facebook page or up on our website, 
AmericaCanWeTalk.org, a great opinion piece from Chuck DeVore that got Chuck DeVore, who's a brilliant guy at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and he took the time to take apart this UN report on America and poverty. And so I'll just tease you with one fact. The data on which this, this assessment was made, the data that they used to say America is so mean and so terrible and you're really bad about poverty, was taken from 2016. So that would be President Obama's policies. President Obama's policies reflected in this report, not President Trump's. Number two is that in this report, they took data from the census with respect to people, how much aid they got, who gets food stamps, who gets housing aid, blah, blah. And the census data has been so thoroughly debunked as unreliable, which I'm going to share more with you after the break. That's another huge point of silliness about this, just silliness about this. And I will tell you, this is another opportunity Nikki Haley took to speak up and say she basically denounced this report as misleading and politically motivated. Gotta love her. Come back after the break. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this UN report and then turn what's happening in the Mueller deal. Don't go away. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families. 
by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Can you hear us now? And welcome back to America Can We Talk? I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Okay, I want to take a chance before the end of this first hour just to say how much I love talking with all of you every week uh, on America Can We Talk, every Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And especially want to say hello to our listeners on 960 AM, The Patriot in Phoenix, on, and also our listeners in Colorado Spring, Springs, AM 1460, and FM 101.1, The Answer. Love talking with you. Encourage you to keep uh, connected with me. You can email me at americacanwetalk.org. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, love having you do that, too. Please feel free to comment uh, on Facebook Live. And you can also email me um, at americacanwetalk at gmail. Just love talking with you about America. Okay, so back on track here with the um, this U.N. story. The reason I want you know, it's a really funny thing. You know when you're a young person and you're just kind of figuring out life and just growing up? I mean, you have this notion of adults that you kind of think they're just... They, they know everything. They, they, they are on top of everything. You know, little kids have that about their dad or their mom. You know, she's just, she knows everything. Dad will know. Mom will know. Well, you know, we have this notion that anyone accomplished enough to arrive on the scene of being in the United Nations, being a representative of any country, and of being on committees who have the job to go around, for example, make poverty reports about countries, that they would have some sense of ethics, some sense of honesty, some sense of discernment, and some sense of just calibration. I mean, the idea that we got, America got a bad grade uh, from the United Nations on poverty in America is so absurd, it is laughable. But worse, it tells you the mindset. These You, you think these people, because they got a job at the United Nations— that they must be really, really wise and insightful and, and internationally brilliant and, and, you know, so above us all. Okay, these are just socialists. That's what the United Nations has devolved into. These are just people who, and I'm going to tell you why I say use a term. I never use that term lightly. I do not use that term in a smart aleck derogatory way. I use that term to mean that the thought behind this poverty report 
is revealed by one particular thing, and that is that in this poverty report, beside the astonishing incorrect data, which I'll share with you in a moment, but beside that, the report took particular shot criticism of the Trump tax cuts and said basically at a time when you have so many people so impoverished and such a wide division between the rich and the poor, the the inequity of wealth between the poor and the rich, that tax cuts are so cruel. You should be collecting money from the people and redistributing it. That's their message. They're critical of the Trump tax cuts critical of the Trump tax cuts because they say it's not good for poor people, which is a left-wing collectivist socialist mindset. That's why you would say that because you are a socialist. So, but I wanted to hit a couple of the points of how absurd. And again, I urge you to read the article written by Chuck DeVore, who is with the Texas public policy foundation, brilliant guy. And he has a piece on Fox and this, just the absurdity, but basically the U.N. took data from the census, census data. U.S. U.N. used census data to come up with their report. Census data, of course, is gathered. They, they make annual estimates of America's well-being, the census people do, by sending out thousands of surveys. So basically, this is not data from the government, how many people got food stamps, how many people got housing assistance. This is voluntary responses by people to the census about what aid they got. Many households don't respond at all. It's a random survey of people who do respond. Those who receive federal, state, local, excuse me, federal, state, or local government welfare assistance significantly underreport. They don't respond. I mean, the data is just, it's not just slightly inaccurate. It's completely ridiculous. It might have as well been taken from a out of thin air. It has no validity. But this does not bother the U.N. who's looking for a way to criticize America, as they always are. So the inaccurate census data among they had, for example, an in-depth study done by some people looking at the, the, the state of New York involving four programs in New York. SNAP, which is what food stamps is now called, uh, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, TANF, General Assistance and Housing Assistance. So a private organization did a massive study about that. And their study found the census surveys missed over one-third of housing assistance, 40% of food stamp assistance, and 60% of temporary assistance for needy families, TANF, and 60% of general assistance aid to recipients. Point is, the report was completely absurd. Not even worth taking seriously. And Nikki Haley, God bless her, blasted the UN about it and and just said, come on, this is just silly level stuff. But the reason I want to mention this is because we just, we do tend to hold the UN up and think, or maybe we don't, but some people do, tend to hold the UN up and think, well, look what they've said. How bad could we be? And I just want to say, you can't live in the world with your eyes open and watch pictures of Venezuela or Cuba or frankly, many parts of Africa you can look around the world and find poverty. It's, it's, deplor- it's horrible. It's the poverty that d- drives women to walk from Honduras to the southern border of America. That's poverty. 
America not having any calibration for the quality of life, even for the poorest among us, and to base their study, the UN's assessment of America, on completely fallacious information, it's just, you know, it's just enough to say you hardly believe anything the UN says and you'd be smart to not believe anything the UN says. And back to the border situation, one of the points I was going to make about it is, I do think, I mean, every, I love that America is filled with people who care about the poor, who want life to be better, who your hearts are broken to these pictures of kids in the, at the border with their moms and they're hungry and they have the clothes on their back and that's it. And they're just wanting to come here. These are, these are very heart-wrenching pictures. No one's denying that. The question just is, as a policy, as a country, what is our policy to help? Is it to just say, if you make it to the border, come on in and you can be a citizen? We could make that policy choice, but we have to change our law to do that. Or we could say, we need to increase our aid to certain countries. That may be something we think we have to do. And we can look at that situation. And we have all sorts of options available to us, but one option we should not ever agree to is lawlessness. And we should also just refuse as Americans to be led around by the nose by the mainstream media, the left-wing media in this country that simply wants at any cost possible to destroy President Trump. And if they can do it because they make you think he's mean to children at the border, they'll do it. And the attacks you're seeing from all sorts of people in the media and, and, you know, the crazy morning talk show people just making ridiculous statements. If you support President Trump, then you support, you know, you can't say you don't want children torn from their mother's arms. If you, I mean, just idiotic stuff. We have to be grownups and not get led around and pushed around by those in the media trying to just just um, destroy President Trump through this you know, this attack on the border policy. And you think we should have different border policy Then advocate for that. But this, the hysteria the left is working up all over this country is why someone felt comfortable kicking Sarah Sanders out of a restaurant in Washington area or berating and attacking uh, Kirsten Nielsen, our uh, HHS secretary in a public place and at her home because they've been emboldened by these left wing wackos um, who just are are bound and determined to destroy the president. And I actually will say, I saw polling. I don't have it in front of me, I guess, but I saw polling. The thing is, that's great. A little bit of good news. America is not falling for this. <laughs> the American people are recognizing it's like finally dawning on more and more people. I mean, the really politically active and politically astute Americans kind of were tuned into the left wing media mob mode. The, you know, just you know, outrage manipulation as a policy of the American left. Some people have been tuned into that, but recently more and more Americans are recognizing this. They're recognizing the left and the media led us through, you know, a year and a half plus in the Russia probe. And it turned out the only thing that really went wrong was that Obama and Hillary colluded with the dossier people to come up with a fake story. And then with the DOJ and the FBI to attack their political opponent that woke a lot of people up. They didn't like the idea of collusion. And they, when they're now realizing, actually, it was this was a completely false attack on him. Same thing with Stormy Daniels. Same thing with the Access Hollywood. People are now more and more tuned in and just not willing to be manipulated by the left-wing media mob. I do think there are still, obviously, plenty of people who are. So our job as patriots, in addition to being informed, is to tell people. 
you tell people, tell your friends who say, isn't that terrible? President Trump is being so mean at kids at the border. Be ready to talk about it. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. You know, these are people who have no legal right to come here. They came here because you have years of lax immigration policy that led people to come here and cause them to think they get to become citizens because they they made it to the border. And we you know, folks, I mean, this is just it's really an opportunity. And I'll just I'm going to close the, this uh, top this first hour with this point in this subject. All of this hysteria generated by the American left, emotional, you know, yanking at your heartstrings, uh, sob story, pictures. This is all targeted at the 2018 midterms. It's all targeted to see how many Americans, the Democrat media mob, can, can work up into a lather, a frenzied lather of ignorance and a determination. We have to take out Trump. He's so terrible. He's done bad things. This is all that the media is doing. And the 2018 midterms are going to come down to the ability of the people on the right, the people who support Trump and his policies, to be able to do more than just correct people about the lies of the left. It's important to correct people about the lies of the left. But it's even more important to be able and starting now to assert in a positive way the positive agenda that the the American right stands for, which is secure borders, which is immigration policy, immigration law that is followed that actually honors the American people and our economy and our people's need for jobs, that actually tries to work toward a free market that produces jobs. This is a whole, back to the UN report, this whole thing about attacking the tax cuts, as I said, as a socialist mindset, unlike the conservative and our need on the 20 in 2018 midterms and beyond to argue it's tax cuts, it's freeing up money, it's putting jobs and money in, into the economy that make America great again. Come back after our break and we're going to go through our top of the second hour cruise to the news. Be right back. 